with Siata Dishmaya, let's continue on our lessons of the Ramchal, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato Aveshalom, and Da'as Atebunos, which is knowing God's plan. So now let's continue. Let's continue with the discussion now of, 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 of the rabbi and his student. So now the rabbi at this point says, rabbi says, at this point we need to gain a clear understanding of this oneness and what it entails. And this is what the Torah commands us when it says, you shall know today and feel in your heart that God is the only power in the heavens above and on the earth below. There is nothing besides him. And the wording of the verse suggests that we are required to have a clear and totally satisfying understanding of God's oneness. And he's already explained here, the Ramchal, that this involves entering into a vast sea of ideas through which you can navigate into your heart's content. And so the student replies, what is so difficult to understand? God's oneness means that he is definitely one and there is no other God. And the rabbi responds, you are certainly right in a general sense. However, we need to gain a deeper understanding of what this means. The understanding we must attain is exactly what is expressed in this verse. You have known, you have been shown with clear knowledge that God is the only power and there is nothing beside him. And our sages explain that this verse is telling us that even the forces of sorcery, the most powerful forces of evil, have no power of their own and are totally subject to God's control. And so therefore, when we say that God is one, it's not sufficient just to understand that only one God exists, meaning that he is the only being that must absolutely exist and that he is the only creator. We also need to understand that there is no power or authority in the world except his. He is the only one who controls the universe and each create creature in it. There is nothing that can oppose God's decrees and nothing that can prevent his will from being carried out. And this means that God's power is unique and total. And this is the message of the verse. Now open your eyes and see that I am the only one. I cause death and bring life and no one can escape from me. And likewise, it said he is the only one and who can challenge him. We see this in Eov. We also bear witness to this before him when we say, who can say to you, what are you doing? And you should know that this is one of the essential foundations of our true faith, as we will explain more deeply in the following lessons with God's help. The understanding of God's absolute control of the entire creation comes to refute certain false beliefs that have invaded the hearts of man. Some of these beliefs are found among idol worshippers, some among the ordinary masses of humanity, and some among the nations of the world, and some among the first willful sinners of the Jewish people who caused destruction. The idol worshippers actually consisted of two different groups, and this gives us a total of five different types of false belief systems. Number one, the first category of idol worshippers believe that God is elevated far above this lowly world and is not concerned with what goes on here. They thought that there are other powers below him that control what happens in our world. The stars, their constellations and their angelic forces and their lesions. They therefore set up ways of worshiping them, built altars and offered sacrifices and fire offerings to them. They believed that this would channel certain powerful forces to their advantage. 
And second is the second category of idol worshippers claimed, God forbid, that there are two competing powers, one that causes good and, the, and one that causes evil. They said that every extreme has its opposite. And since God is the ultimate good, there must be an opposing power, which is the ultimate evil. And they claim that the good and evil that we find in the world stem from these two forces. The Gemara records such a way of thinking when it tells us how a certain heretic said to Amar, the upper part of the body belongs to hormits and the lower part of the body belongs to ahormits. And so number three, the third view is that of the ordinary masses of humanity. They believe that the universe is governed by absolute laws of nature that God built into the structure of the world. They claim that laziness is the enemy and the only and only a person's own efforts and diligence can bring him success. And this is like the attitude of my own strength and personal efforts brought me all this prosperity, which the Torah warns us against. They also believe that events are governed by blind fate. Therefore, there is no differentiation between what happens to one person and what happens to another. Everything comes from impersonal, natural laws and nothing else, for better or for worse. And so, the fourth view is that of certain nations of the world who believe that because of the Jewish people's sins, God will never save them. And they call them despised silver. They claim that God chose the Jewish people and gave them the choice to be righteous or wicked. And since they chose to be wicked, they prevented God, as it were, from being able to help them anymore. As it says, you have weakened the rock who gave birth to you. And since it was no longer possible to save them, God was forced to abandon them and exchange them for another nation. Shalom. And the length of our present exile seems on the surface to substantiate this and frightens those whose faith is weak. Number five, the fifth view is that of those Jews who purposefully sinned against God. They recognized God's existence and intentionally rebelled against him. One of these was King Ammon, who stated, I am only committing this sin in order to anger my creator. And there were others like him. The prophet Yeshayahu described how such people sought to rebel before God's presence. They thought they could go against God's will, angering him with their despicable acts. They behave like someone who taunts his companion, believing he is helpless to resist. And some thought that they could go against God by using witchcraft and sorcery. And other thoughts that they can do this by using their knowledge of the angelic forces and their functions. The Midrash describes how the people said to the prophet Yemiyahu before the destruction of the first Besamidash, I will surround Jerusalem with a wall of water. I will surround it with a wall of fire. However, one who believes in God's oneness and understands his true meaning must know that God is absolutely and totally one. Nothing at all can restrain him or oppose his will in any way at all. He alone rules over all. And so against view number two, there are two powers, Hasve Shalom. He must know that not only is there no power of evil that can oppose him, but it is God himself who creates good and evil. As the verse states, I am the one who forms light and creates darkness, who makes peace and creates evil. I am God who does all of these things. And against view number one, that God delivered the running of the world to secondary powers, he must know that there are no powers below him that have any control over what happens in this world. This means that there are no independent angelic forces or secondary powers as the idol worshippers believed. <clears throat> and against view number three, 
that the world is governed by impersonal natural laws and blind fate furthermore he must know that god alone supervises every detail of everything that happens to each creature in the world everything comes into the world through god's will and his involvement not through chance not through automatic natural laws and not through blind faith god himself judges the whole world and everything it contains he decides everything that will occur in the upper and lower worlds down to the last level of the entire creation and against view number four that god exchanged us for another nation because of our sins he must know that god is not forced or constrained to do anything since there is no other power in the world but his and therefore the entire system through which God judges the world and all its laws are totally subject to God's will. He is not limited by them in any way. When he wants, he can make he, he can make his will dependent, as it were, on the actions of man, as our sages have taught. Everything depends on how much good or bad we do. But when he wants, he can ignore what man does and bestows goodness on whoever he desires, even if undeserved. And this is what God said to Moshe, I will show favor to whomever I wish. And our sages explained this to mean that God can show favor to someone even if he is undeserving of it. And a similar idea is found in the verse, if you sin, what effect does this have on God? If your crimes are numerous, what difference does it make to him? And so similarly, with regard to the future redemption, it's written, the sins of the Jewish people will be sought out and they will not be found because I will forgive those I have spared. And it's also written, I will act only for the sake of my name because I cannot let my name be profaned. And I alone will wipe out your sins for the sake of my great name and I will not remember your transgressions. And similarly, it is written, I will remove the sins of the land of Israel in one day, all at once. And this is our consolation during the afflictions of our exile. God will not look at our deeds, nor will he wait for our merits. He will not exchange us for any other nation. Has shalom. If we lack sufficient good deeds, even if the Jewish people do not have sufficient merits, when the appointed time comes, and only he knows when that is, he will surely redeem us anyway because of his oath to our forefathers and the covenant he made with us. He is the master of everything and can redeem us whenever he wants. And against view number five, that it's impossible to manipulate powers against God himself, he must also know another important point that is related to what we have just been discussing. Since there is no limitation to God's actions whatsoever, no created being can challenge God, even by trying to manipulate the laws and patterns that he put in place. He made them and he could change them or eliminate, eliminate them whenever he wants. And this is the concept of the teaching we mentioned above. There is nothing beside him. Even sorcery is totally subject to God's control. And it's true that according to the pattern of forces that God decided to create in the higher worlds, these forms of evil have the power to go against the, for the forces of good. But nevertheless, when God so desires, he exercises his control over them and annihilates them. And it's as if they never existed, not like the view of those foolish people who thought that they could defy God by using against him the very tools that he himself created. This is total falsehood. What, what can they try to do? They cannot help him or benefit them because God is the master of everything that exists and there is no power other than his. And all this is what we must believe as a matter of faith. However, the actual revelation of the truth of these matters will come about 
through the unfolding of the entire historical process with all its events and players until the fulfillment of the promises of the prophets as we explained previously. And so we see that what God desired was that his absolute oneness be revealed in the world. He therefore set up the laws governing creation to fulfill this purpose. And furthermore, all the events of history that he causes to come about are exactly what are necessary to achieve this purpose. And we can therefore say that the entire world and everything that we see in it revolves around the central principle of God's absolute oneness and that all his creations should experience the revelation of this reality it follows from this fact that if we can understand what is required to bring about the revelation of god's oneness we will also understand how all the laws governing creation are arranged and what their purpose is in fact you will see, as I will explain further, says the Ramhal, how the whole process I mentioned above, number one, man's imperfect state and eventual perfection, number two, his task of serving God, and number three, his reward following this central principle that God wanted to construct and direct the world as a vehicle for the revelation of his oneness, no other central principle would have given rise to all the elements of this process. And the student says, I am very eager to hear how all these derive from the revelation of his oneness. Musiata Dishmaya will continue, Bezrat Hashem, with the next lesson, Bezrat Hashem, this upcoming Monday. Musiata Dishmaya, Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen Ve Amen.